Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, September 18th, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. Uh, the heat wave has ended here in Paris, so it's finally cooled off. It was terrible here for like a full seven days. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll be I'll be <laughs> missing that when it gets gray and and wintry all, all winter here. But it's it's nice to have some proper fall weather now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we still got some good warm weather here in Cornwall, so we'll see how long uh-huh. it lasts. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what's going on this week? Anything uh, that we need to know about? I don't know if you've looked at deadlines or just what's what's happening in the admissions world this week. Yeah, yeah. We still got a load of deadlines coming up for this week. Last week obviously was busy too. So we're in about the third week of sort of busy round one application deadlines. Stern, ESC, Johnson, Booth um, all have um application deadlines i did i did think it was interesting i noticed johnson calls it round one deadline i think they used to call them sort of october deadline january deadline or or whatever so that might be a bit of a change for them but fuqua also is releasing interview invites for its early action round wow um this upcoming week so the first is sort of those types of invites coming out i'm assuming darden might be doing the same on a timeline basis, but they don't publish ahead of time what that date is. Got it. Okay. So, yeah. So I can't believe, yeah. Okay. I guess it's that time, you know, where we're going to start seeing the interview invitations and then people get into the frenzy of interview prep. Uh, I wonder how long it'll be before say HBS does their interviews. Cause you know, their round deadline being a couple of weeks ago at this point, I guess it'd be yeah, not not till the yeah, end of September. So, yeah, okay, think. all right. So for everyone wondering, yeah, they'll 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 let us know. I assume if they keep their their process similar, even though they they're obviously going through different admissions folks, um, they'll write a blog post outlining their their process probably in the next couple yeah, of weeks. That's, yeah. um, and shortly after they publish that blog post, interview invites will be um, ready to to go they usually get those interview invites out a week or two ahead of wharton and we know wharton's date i think that's the middle of october yeah and actually you're reminding me that you know one one of the great things about livewire is that you can literally you could do a search on hbs round one interview invitation and uh, a sort you know and then you can see when they came out exactly last year and like you say they always post a blog entry in which they describe you know how things are going to unfold uh, and and it's pretty much like clockwork in terms of you know year over year. So we'll see. We'll stay tuned on that. I did want to mention we're continuing this week with our essay uh, webinar series. This week I'm going to host uh, Carnegie Mellon Tepper, Columbia Business School, Georgetown McDonough, UT Austin McCombs, and UNC Keenan Flagler for a roundtable discussion. That's at when on Wednesday at noon Eastern. You can still sign up. Um, go to bit.ly forward slash CA fall essays, all one word, all lowercase. That should be fun. And then next week, we'll do it again. It'll be the last one in the series of, of kind of three webinars. Uh, and next week will be Wharton, Yale, Darden, and Ross. So I'm really looking forward to these next two. No, very, very good events. Very popular yeah. too. I, I, yeah, we I just think. get lots of people joining us. Uh, the other thing I wanted to just remind people of is that, 
you really should log in and register over at clearadmit.com. You can get access to extra content. I love whenever I log in, I love seeing that little extra button pop up, the Clear Admit Plus button that allows me to kind of go in and look at other stuff that's not available to the average uh, site visitor. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because we're going to do a webinar, um, let's see, October the 4th. Um, so literally the same time slot that we do with our uh, essay workshops. We'll do it that Wednesday, October 4th at noon Eastern. And the thing that we've changed this time around is you got to sign up in advance. So if you go and log in on the site, go to Clear Admit Plus, you can see the webinar page, um, the private webinars, and you can sign up there to join us. So sign up in advance. And I believe as part of the sign up, you can even post a question that we'll see before the session. So um, go ahead and do that if you're interested in joining us. It's still several weeks away, but I wanted to kind of start plugging that early because uh, I'm, I'm excited about it already. And, and we'll have a lot to talk about in early October, I'm sure. Yeah, interview prep, that'll be the focus of that <laughs> sure. um, webinar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the other stuff, we've got two things that I wanted to mention, Alex, that have um, that we put up on the website. So one is we did an admissions director Q&A with Shelly Heinrich from Georgetown McDonough. And she, as always, had a lot of great things to say. Some of you may recall, she actually jumped on the podcast with us. Um, well, she's been on several times, but she jumped on the podcast when I was doing that roving reporter stuff at the GMAC conference. And uh, she's always a good sport. She did offer this advice about their essay, and in particular about their video essay, which I thought was kind of cool. So she, she gave the following kind of information. She said, we have a video essay that allows you to present yourself on camera to the entire admissions committee. This can be a benefit to you for several reasons. First, there's only one person interacting with you during your evaluative interviews, so a video provides exposure to the whole committee. Second, if you happen to have an off day when you do your interview and you don't connect as well as you would like with the interviewer, the video essay gives you a second chance to showcase who you are and what you'll bring to the McDonough community. And the best thing is, you can record and re-record as many times as you would like and submit the video when you feel it's the best product. So I thought that was interesting that she's directly kind of comparing it to their sort of interview process and, and they're kind of, it sounds like the whole team gets to watch that. So good points on her part, I think. Yeah, no, very interesting, actually. Yeah. Um, the other thing, though, you know, we've been, I guess we're now full into the kind of schools sharing their class profile. Last week, we talked about UCLA. And so this week, we've got um, Duke's Fuqua School of Business sharing their kind of full-time daytime MBA profile for the class of 25. Uh, I'll rattle off the stats, Alex, and you can offer your insights and, and uh, reactions. So... The average GPA for the incoming class, they give a middle 80%, and that range is 3.1 to 3.89. Uh, that was the same last year with the exception of the upper end, which went up to 3.9 uh, instead of 3.89, so not a big difference. They have 45% women uh, down a few ticks from 48% last year. They have a class that's 47% international, um, by primary citizenship, as they defined it. Last year, they had a class that was 52% international, but that included dual citizens. So they kind of changed up the way they're counting. Um, so it's a little harder to know. But I think if we were to do apples to apples, it sounds like the international number is up a bit. Um, they have 27% uh, underrepresented minorities. 
Um, and that's actually a little bit better. They had 25% last year. Uh, their GRE, they've moved away from giving a single kind of average total score. And so instead, they're giving a middle 80%. And that is 306 to 330. Now, last year, the average was 317. So I, I don't have a middle 80% to compare to. Um, whereas with GMAT, the middle 80% this year is 670 to 760. Whereas last year it was 680 to 760. Uh, class has about six years of experience. That's basically unchanged. It's 6.1. Last year it was six. And another thing, they have 385 students in this uh, incoming class here. And that was uh, a little bit lower. They had 399 students in the class of the year before. So what are your reactions to this, Alex? Yeah, we discussed this last week um, with Anderson. They released their class profile, and I'm seeing some of the same sort of potential trends here, which is something we speculated over last week. Um, a drop in the um, class size, um, as, as with Anderson, holding the quality of the class almost constant um, as, as, as the strategy here. Um, potentially an uptick in international students, although we're not exactly sure given the change in the, the metric, um, with a corresponding slight drop in um, um, gender parity, slight drop in, in, in female attendance. So, so that sort of tends to correlate, as we um, noted last week right. with Anderson. I can't stand these ranges. Um, you know, it's like give it, give us the median. Just you know, be standard like with other other programs. So, three hundred six to three thirty. Yeah, that doesn't really tell me a, an awful lot. Yeah, you could drive um, a truck through just that. Just one big... outlier on the three thirty, or yeah, well, yeah. I, I know it's middle eighty percent. But anyway, I'm, I'm just not a fan of ranges because I I really find it hard to interpret. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, overall, it looks like just like other. Um, top programs we've looked at, um, applicant volume was probably down. Correspondingly, the class size has shrunk, but keeping the quality of the class almost at par seems to be um, what we're seeing with, with, with the programs we looked at so far. Yeah, agreed. Um, so we'll see. I think you're probably going to have to get used to these ranges because I, I have a feeling that <laughs> that more schools are going to do it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I agree. I, I prefer just a median um, or, or both yeah, actually yeah. would be cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, report them both. You've got the data. Yeah. Be as transparent as you can be. I mean, what what what's What's the harm in, in, in full transparency? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think, yeah, it's an interesting question. And I, I do wonder how all this will evolve with respect to rankings and, and what, you know, what schools share, especially if we, you know, if, we, if we're in kind of a shrinking market a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I still think this year is going to be yeah. okay in terms of volume, but, but we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and, I, and again, this is a great program. Oh, absolutely. Um, with, 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 with a great class. So I'm not debating that at all. Yeah. I just think that it's folly for business schools not to really drive the notion of transparency. Yes. Um, just as an aside, I'm doing a lot of work or, or, or reading up on, on, on the idea of trust. And transparency is a key pillar. Yeah. To, as a building block for, for, for building trust. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a bit biased, but I think, I think they, they need to, um, if they want to offer the ranges, that's fine, but they absolutely should be offering those medians. Yeah. 
Agreed. Um, all right. So moving on, before we get into our candidates, I wanted to remind people that they can write to us uh, by just sending an email to info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps and we will respond to you. Uh, we love to get your mail. So please continue writing. And also, you know, it's been a long time since anyone reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening on Apple and have a moment, please drop us a review. We always appreciate them. Um, and, and, you know, obviously ratings are good too. You can do that on any of the platforms that you listen listen to us on. Uh, it just really helps others to discover the show. And it, you know, keeps Alex and I motivated and stuff to hear what you all have to say in terms of feedback. So please do that. Um, otherwise, Alex, I'm ready to talk about these candidates that you've selected for this week. Yeah, let's kick off. All right. So this is Wiretap's candidate number one. Our first candidate is applying to Cambridge, Carnegie Mellon, Cornell, the Indian School of Business, London Business School and Michigan Ross. And they want to start in the fall of 24. They've been working in consulting uh, specifically. They've actually got um, four years and it'll be five at matriculation working in a big four uh, tech ops or operations consulting. And they've had two early promotions. In fact, they started as an analyst and they're currently a senior consultant. So pretty fast track there in those four years that they've had. Uh, they want to um, get into or stay in consulting, but move what sounds like into maybe more of a strategy consulting role. I mean, they mention Bain, BCG, McKinsey, but also uh, Carney and Deloitte and Accenture. So pretty open-minded, but they want to stay in consulting and continue to kind of work their way up there. Uh, their GRE score is a 331. Their GPA uh, is an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, that's in the Indian system, I'm assuming, because this candidate says they're located in India. Um, and so just for anyone who doesn't know, you know, it's things are out of 10 or 100 if, um, in, in India, and, and getting an 8.5 is actually quite significant. Uh, it's not a number we see that often. So that's kind of the profile. They did mention that they're extensively involved in their community, um, specifically with regards to animal welfare causes, Alex. So that'll um, pique your interest, I suspect. But they also do a lot of sports stuff. They've participated in a lot of clubs and um, do, do soccer and badminton. So, Alex, what do you make of this candidate? Because, you know, Indian candidate, we don't know if male or female. I don't know the undergraduate background. I'm, I'm going to guess engineering or business. Those are pretty common in India. But what do you make of this candidacy overall? Yeah, overall, I think this is probably quite a strong candidate because at the end of the day, their numbers are good, right? Eight, five on, on a scale in India. I think that's um, typically yes. considered considered very good. Um, and yeah, they, they claim that they, they didn't go to a prestigious undergrad. Um, so, and I get that, that, that may make them a little bit queasy about applying to top programs, but at the end of the day, if they made the most of that experience and, and got themselves into a good situation afterwards and had really good work experience as a result of that, which it looks like they've had with two early pr promotions and now they're a senior consultant, it's the sort of candidate that seems to have made the most of the opp opportunities presented to them and done, done well in that regard. So I like that. And I like the fact that they're also heavily involved in extracurriculars. As you say, I've got a particular bias towards animal welfare mm -hmm. stuff. So, so, you know, I'd obviously quite be interested to know a little bit more about that. But if, if they're sort of having impact in those domains and in the sports domain, that's very good too. The GRE is fantastic, right? It's a 331. Um, so... 
We know that's above the 80 percentile range for Duke Fuqua, for example, because they just told us that. Um, so, so I think there's potentially a lot to like here. Obviously, we would qualify them as overrepresented because of where they're coming from, from India, um, just for the sheer size of the number of applicants coming from, from that region um, and quality applicants too, no doubt. Um, so that's the challenge and the challenge is to be in round one um, for, for and, and I think if they're in round one and you know they put together you know, really strong um, applications that really reflect well who they are, uh, they should have some great opportunities. And I even encourage them um, potentially to, to look at, um, you know, possibly M7. They're not targeting M7. Um, and they've said to us in, in response to that, that they felt that they would perhaps that was a bit of a reach given that they're overrepresented. Mm. But how would they know that unless they try? Right. <laughs> now, the problem is, if they did target M7, that certainly needs to be in round one to maximise their opportunity. So Sloan might be the one to go after because they have that sort of slightly later round one application deadline. I think it's in sort of September 20 or around there. So, But that's still quite a short time to prepare everything, obviously, um, for Sloan. So they might have missed the boat. But anyway, I think a really potentially a really strong candidate here, Graham. Yeah, I mean, I, I had two thoughts on this candidate. Number one, you know, why no M7? You know, they, they just, as you say, you kind of, you got to be in it to win it, right? So they, if you yeah. don't apply, you're not going to get in. That's a guarantee. So I would have, and I would actually argue they might even try in round two and they, they could see how things go in round one. And if they're yeah. getting lots of acceptances and some interesting scholarships, they might take a flyer and even in round two. Um, I recognize we don't normally recommend an overrepresented candidate to, to be in that round, but it could still be worth exploring. The other thing I think is that they, I understand their goal of getting into, you know, kind of strategy consulting and, and they mentioned they ultimately would love to become a partner in a consulting firm. And so that makes sense. I guess for me, the one sort of dimension that could make this more interesting would be if there was an, a specific industry that they were kind of um, wanting to focus on. Again, everyone understands that when you do consulting, you end up doing lots of different things. But by the time you become a partner, you usually have a kind of um, area of subject matter expertise, right? So it just if there's something that they've done to date in their current work at a big four, if there's a certain industry that they feel like they've gained some expertise in or that they're really interested in and passionate about, that might be a nice way to just make this candidacy have an, an extra dimension. Um, but in any event, yeah. you know, I, it sounds yeah. like they're probably getting in those at round one apps now. So I do want to wish them best of luck. And yeah, just this is a like classic situation where the numbers are really strong. And so I would hate for them to not, you know, aim high enough. Right. So that that's all. <laughs> yeah. And I think you make a really good point about industry focus. So add that to it. And yeah, potentially a very strong candidate. Yeah, agreed. All right, I want to thank that person for their post and for shedding some additional light via the comments they left for you. Uh, let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So our second candidate this week is, as of now, just looking at Tuck, Harvard, MIT, and Yale. Um, this person, again, wants to start in the fall of 24, and they have been doing MBB consulting, 
and they're going to return after business school. So it sounds like they're sponsored, and, and so their plan is to you know just go off to business school and, and return whichever of the MBB firms they're currently at. They um, are particularly interested in nonprofit and, and social impact type consulting, and in fact, a lot of their work has been related to kind of climate and government stuff. Um, so that's kind of their their background in terms of professional experience. Their test score, they have a GRE, um, which they scored a 325. Their GPA is a 3.6 from a liberal arts college. They've got four years of work experience. They're located in the Northeast of the US and they would love to stay in that region. Um, a little bit more on the professional side, they did do two years at a boutique consulting firm with a couple of promotions and then they switched over to MBB where they've been for two years. And again, they're sponsored. Um, they've got some internal leadership roles at work and they also do some volunteer work outside of work with respect to an environmental nonprofit. Uh, they are an all they were an all-American athlete at their liberal arts uh, undergrad um, college, so that's worth noting too. The thing that they mention, and this is something we should discuss, Alex, is they're worried about their GRE, that 325, and about standing out in an overrepresented population given the, the volume of people applying from these top consulting firms to go to these, you know, M7 type business schools. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I think, again, this is a really strong candidate. The The GRE is decent. It perhaps doesn't correlate with the quality of the rest of the profile. Mm -hmm. um, so there might be some room for improvement. And they said, actually, they think that they could probably get a 330 um, with, with more prep. So the question then becomes, should they apply now? Or should they apply in round two with a 330 if they, they, they can achieve that? And their pushback is, I might, I might be sort of considered overrepresented because, as they say, a hundred folks or about a hundred folks from their firm will be applying to each of the M7. Um, so, so they think that they need to get their application in early. I don't really agree with that. I mean, I don't disagree with the statistics. Um, <laughs> they know that better than me. But, you know, it's kind of like saying, all right, I went to, you know, Harvard, Yale or Princeton undergrad um, and therefore I might be overrepresented at top programs because lots of them target top programs, right? I mean, these are the elite folks that end up at MBB. Um, so I think if they've got good performance at, at MBB, um, they, they shouldn't worry about whether that qualifies them as overrepresented. Obviously, I like their, their um, you know, their, their, their industry focus, or whatever you want to call it. Climate change is a huge issue. So we need more smart people putting all their energy into fixing these problems. So mm -hmm. that could play really well for them, I think. Um, and, you know, so the question is, should they go round one, Graham, with a 325 or round two with potentially a 330? I would really push them um, to split the apps, some round one maybe, and really go hard on round two. So I think some of it, I wonder if it's mood in the sense that maybe they already applied to HBS in round one because that deadline was earlier, right? Yeah. But <laughs> So I don't, I don't know, but I think I tend to agree with you that I don't, I mean, yes, there are other people applying from McKinsey, Bain, BCG to these top schools, but at the same time, you, like you say, I mean, they're, they're a sought after bunch, you know, and I think, um, particularly like you say, this person has interesting work experience in terms of their specific industry involvement. 
it's yeah, and, and I when I look at that, Jerry, again, it's fine. You know, the average at HBS is three twenty six, so they're only a point below the average. Now, the average at Yale, which is also on their list, is three thirty, so they're a bit further afield there. Um, but again, I guess the other thing is that I do wonder, like, what did they study as an undergrad? You know, um, they went to a liberal arts college. They were an all-American athlete. And I, I'm just wondering if, so for example, if they studied English literature or history or political science or something, then, you know, then the, I'd want to know more about this breakdown on the GRE and, and you know, if their quant score wasn't great or something. That, that could become... Yeah, we know the breakdown. We do know. Oh, we have it. Yeah. So, so it was. Yeah. The, okay. The 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 English one sixty four math is one sixty one. Okay. Um, so, I mean, yeah, and I don't have the percentages in front of me for those two. I don't know if they shared that, but sixty fifth percentile on the math. Yeah. So that's okay. So that's exactly what I was suggesting then, which is that, you know, that's the weaker area, and if they feel like they could boost that percentile on the math side, because that is, you know, when you see a liberal arts grad, you sometimes, that, that's the thing you kind of wonder about. Um, the other thing I should mention is that they're applying to both MBA and MPP programs, and so, you know, they probably have a lot that they're juggling to do that, uh, and, and these programs on their list, MIT, Yale, Harvard, and Tuck, I guess, are all offering some flavor of that or joint degrees with maybe peer institutions that they're pursuing. So in any event, um, that's something to just keep in mind too. Do you think, I mean, th this is maybe a little off topic, but do you think that they need both degrees? I, I'm not a huge fan of dual degrees mm -hmm. on, on the whole, um, because I think when you do an MBA, if you want to take electives at other schools within that university, most programs allow you to do that. Um, and I think a dual degree is taking on a lot, um, you know, extra year or, you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff. So, 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 yeah, I think they could probably achieve their goals um, through the MBA with some more creative use of, of some of the electives and, and so forth. But, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, obviously the dual degree programs, the MPP programs that they're looking at, they're, they're super strong programs. So yeah. if that's what they want to do, that's fine. But I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. I mean, so, so at the end of the day, I think, um, well, it, for me, like if they're going to, they mentioned they want to stay for a long while at MBB when they come back from business school and the MPP degrees. And so, yeah, that does suggest, well, maybe they don't need both degrees if they're good, but, but they do say in the very long term, they could see themselves getting into government, in which case then you start to think about that network you might have from an MPP and the credibility it provides. So, you know, right. th there's, there's an argument to be made. I guess if, if I had my druthers, I would say, buckle down, take the test again, maybe even consider doing a business fundamentals or MBA math or something to just demonstrate to the schools that you're ready for the MBA type curriculum, apply in round two. And, you know, I, that would be what I would do. I don't think they should be worried about being overrepresented. So best foot forward in round two. I want to thank them for sharing their profile and um, and obviously for the exchange you had, sorry, I missed the, I missed the, uh, <laughs> um, the percentages and stuff on their test score, but in any event, um, let's move on though and talk about, I'm just going to yeah. ask you one other quick question. They want a non, they have a preference for a non-urban yeah, sort of environment. <laughs> yeah. So, so if, if that's the case, which, which programs are you supposed to target? Well, yeah, it's interesting. They said if it's, um, if they said if not in the Northeast, they want non-urban, right? Or something like that. Um, I didn't really understand. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So 
I mean, non-urban, I guess that's, you know, well, they have talk on their list. And, you know, most times people would think of places like Darden or, you know, then you get into kind of splitting hairs. Like is, you know, I mean, Fuqua is, is in a city, Durham, but it's also, in a, it's a pretty, you know, massive, beautiful campus that has more of a, um, you know, non-urban kind of vibe to it. Right? right. So, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an interesting, um, and I also noticed they don't have Wharton on their list, you know, and I, I don't know if they ruled it out cause it's urban, but they have, you know, MIT and Harvard. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what's driving, how they're making this decision, but, and, and Johnson comes to mind too, as a non-urban, but it seems like they're yeah, focusing. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what, did you have some in mind? <laughs> No, but I think they they got to think about that for round two, and I agree. Wharton would be a, a great option if they came back with that high GRE yeah. and didn't get admitted to Harvard. Obviously, if they get admitted to if they have already applied to Harvard, get admitted to Harvard first round. Um, Case yeah, closed. They're in great shape. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. Want to wish them the best of luck. Uh, let's move on and talk about Wiretaps candidate number three. So our third candidate this week um, has a very kind of uh, big city approach to their process. They've got London Business School, NYU Stern, and UCLA Anderson on the list. So London, New York, and LA. Uh, They want to start next fall. They've been working mostly in content marketing and marketing analytics. Um, It seems like that work, though, is somehow tied into the media space because their post-MBA target, which they mentioned is related to their current work, is in media and entrepreneurship. Uh, they mentioned, you know, they might want to work for 21st Century Fox or something. Um, they've got a GRE score, a whopping 333 on the GRE. Um, unfortunately, their GPA is a 2.9, so headed down the other way. Um, they have five years of work experience currently located in New York, and again, happy to settle in London, New York, or LA after business school. Um, They did share some context to the GPA. They mentioned that after their first two years in college, they had a 2-3, but in their final year, um, they had like a 3-8. So they really had this kind of upward trend. Um, They do mention that they are an entrepreneur with a primary focus on media and production and that they also do a lot of volunteer work as a crisis counselor. So interesting profile, Alex. I mean, certainly not traditional in that it sounds like they've been doing, you know, entrepreneurial things. Um, They're in a less common industry with media. Um, That's where they would love to stay. What do you make of this approach? I mean, they have three schools in three cities. uh, And what do you think about this GPA issue? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, they're super smart, right? They've got a 333 GRE. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think you've got to be really, really smart for that. Um, so that's above the 80 percentile um, range for, for uh, Fuqua, for example. I just got that, obviously, because of <laughs> right. that's what we're talking about this week. Um, but this GPA of 29 is below Fuqua's um, 80 percentile range on on the on the GPA, so there are the two extremes here. Um, so it, it strikes me that that's an example of someone that's really smart when they can be bothered, right? Yeah. So and yeah. that's the <laughs> stigma that they they're going to have to wrestle with, right? Adcom are going to say, well, how do we know over the two years of our program? this person is going to be bothered to really apply themselves. So they want to be able to tackle that um, um, stigma or, or bias, or whatever it might be, because it won't be a question of the adcom thinking, 
will they handle the rigor? It's will they be bothered to handle the rigor? Mm. Um, and they talk about this idea that they're entrepreneurial or whatever. And if that, you know, if, if they were an entrepreneur during their undergrad and that harmed their GPA, again, that could go either way. That could say to the adcom, you know, if they've got a, an on, entrepreneurial itch during the MBA program, they're not going to show up for classes. They're just going to run their business. So right, right. That, again, could be. So they've got it sort of understand this potential minefield of, of how Adcom perceives this stuff. Use the optional essay to explain things. Now, I'll ask a question back to you, Graham. Um, they're coming into the MBA program with a profile as an entrepreneur. What are you looking for from someone that has an entrepreneurial track record to put them in the strong bucket versus an entrepreneur that potentially could be a liability. Yeah. I mean, I would love to have more information as to like what they've done because they've been working for several years and, you know, have there been kind of, you know, successful ventures? Did they sell any of them or were any of them acquired or have they um, done the same thing the whole time with some nice growth and built like a, a team or is it just, are they doing kind of, because I think there's a difference between being a kind of independent contractor, helping out with production work on stuff or something versus like setting up a shop, right? Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd want to yeah. know, I mean, yeah, this is a really, I mean, you make a great point about their numbers too. It just, it's an interesting candidacy because they're kind of in the top 10% for GRE um, at most of these schools, like easily, they're going to be in the top 10%, if not mm. higher. Yeah, yeah. And they're in the bottom 10% on the GPA. So there's sort of a candidacy of extremes when it comes to the numbers yeah, I would just, it, it's going to be challenging. I would need to see recommendation letters from someone who can speak to their entrepreneurial ventures and, you know, the experience they've, they've had. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was telling you before we came on air that I think this candidate really needs to do a class like business fundamentals or MBA math um, to sort of shore things up. And because they gave us context on the GPA, but not really. I mean, they gave us context, which was first two years were bad and the last year was great. But they didn't explain why. So right. I, I, I kind of need to know more. Um, and hopefully they have a reason. I mean, it, you know, it could be, oh, I just was overwhelmed first two years and I gradually got my footing. Um, but I'd love to see, like you say, a kind of some coursework that could um, support that 333. So that's why taking like business fundamentals or something might be smart. Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And like you say, being an entrepreneur, that's fine. But what are the benchmarks? What are the successes? How are you measuring success? And making sure you're distinguishing between being an entrepreneur or simply being a freelancer yeah. um, that's taking on work wherever they can um, find it, which is, you know, again, is, is good work, but it's different. Um, yeah. So, so, so yeah, um, very, very interesting. And um, best of luck. Um, best of luck to them. And maybe they need to also just look at their target programs, expand it a little bit. But yeah. they're not like the prior candidate, Graham. They want urban, not yeah, not yeah. whatever <laughs> it was. Yes. Um, I will say one last thing about this candidacy is that I think um, some very concrete plans would be useful. So I, you know, if I see an entrepreneur in the pool, I love to know that they have a very specific thing they want to do. And that could be, I first want to work at a major media company, um, you know, in whatever market that they're targeting, you know, that could be, um, they could tailor that according to, you know, the cities that they're applying to schools in. Um, and then I want to launch my own venture in, in a specific domain. Like it'd be good for them to add that specificity to make the storyline 
you know, just more plausible and more believable, right? So, so that's the yeah. two things I would encourage them to work on is flesh out that career plan, do something to support their numbers, um, to like take an outside class or something online, um, and, and write a compelling essay about that low GPA with a, you know, humble kind of explanation for what happened. Uh, but yeah, otherwise I think it's a really interesting candidate and they have, there's no issue if they apply in the second round because they're quite, yeah. they're just so unique. So I'm not worried yeah. about that. They should, I'd rather them come in really strong than rush things now. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, all right, so uh, Alex, thanks for picking these out. Some really good topics as usual to discuss. Uh, we'll do it all next week, so I'll see you then for it. <laughs> Very good. Stay safe, everyone. Take care.